Welcome to The Bee's Knees, a podcast full of articles, interviews, clinical studies, and advice about knee surgery, physical therapy, and life after knee surgery. Hello, this is PJ Ewing. I'm here, the host of your Bee's Knees podcast. And I have a gentleman today who's going to open our eyes on a bunch of different topics. Uh, it starts with how you walk, your gait, your pattern, how you're actually executing the functions of your your walking pattern. And then we're going to go on to some other matters. This gentleman has a podcast. He's got a curriculum for anatomy upcoming. He's got a real history in the world of yoga. He's a friend of mine from a number of years ago. We've kind of reconnected just recently. Jonathan, welcome to the podcast. Hi, BJ. Thanks so much for having me. So we have Jonathan Fitzgordon here on the podcast, and he is going to do all the heavy lifting. I'm going to do some listening and some guiding, Jonathan, but you're going to get to, to share all the marvelous things that you do. In fact, before this call, Jonathan and I were just chatting about books that he's published that I had no idea that he had published. So I want to make sure we touch upon that, too. You are calling us, calling in on the call from Cleveland. Is that right? That is correct. You've moved from the east to the Midwest. What's what's life like there? Oh, it's pretty great. I, you know, I was born and raised in Brooklyn. One of the there's not many of us left. I never thought I'd ever leave Brooklyn. I lived from, in Boston for a few years in the '80s, so I never thought I'd ever leave New York. And uh, my mother-in-law is here in Cleveland, and my parents passed, so it's really good for kids to see their grandparents. So we moved down here, and this is where my wife grew up, and we're in uh, Shaker Heights, Ohio, and it's been pretty extraordinary. I rather, I am way more fond of the Midwest than I would thought I would be, and it's way more outdoorsy. Even though the winters can be punishing, there is amazing hiking all around the city. So it's it's a pretty great, beautiful city. I'm I'm really happy here. And when you open your mouth in the Starbucks at the grocery store, they say you're not from around here with that accent. There are. There are a lot of New Yorkers here. It's pretty, or I should say a lot of East Coasters here. So it's more, uh, you have people leave New York and they end up, uh, scattered around the Midwest. So it's pretty funny how many, uh, New Yorkers are here. What, what's funny is I moved by choice. Not that we weren't getting priced out of New York, but there are a lot of New Yorkers here who did not come by choice and they're not always as happy. I see. That's, so this yeah, place. That is, that has been an interesting, uh, distinction. Some people are not as enamored, but uh, I really like it. It's a very laid-back lifestyle. There's no traffic. There's Parking is plentiful, and if you know from living in Brooklyn and, you know, looking for a half hour to find a parking space at 11 o'clock at night, those days are long gone. So that's a beautiful thing. Isn't that nice? I, of course, went the other way from Farmington Hills and Franklin, Michigan to New York, so we've switched places. So, I know you, Jonathan, really through the core walking uh, curriculum and the work that you did uh, years ago. That was your primary thing. It was videos and uh, assessing people's walking, giving them guidance, a lot of seminars, online work. And just for everyone who's curious about what the heck I'm talking about, it's corewalking.com, just like it sounds, one word, core walking. You can follow along if you'd like. There's a lot there. So what, what is the core walking program? How does it work? What's it all about? Well, core walking 
uh, began in 2006, which is amazing to me. You know, here we are in 2020. But I was a a waiter and a carpenter and just kind of a wanderer in my youth. And I'm um, actually a high school dropout, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. I actually wanted to be a filmmaker and a writer, and turns out I am both of those things, but not the way I had planned. I started doing yoga in my 30s, and I wasn't weak. I was actually a rollerblader. I, I was rollerblading, in, you know, crazy distances from Brooklyn to New Jersey and on a fairly regular basis. So I wasn't weak. But I was also very loose in my joints, which I didn't understand. So I got to yoga um, in 1995 on the Lower East Side of Manhattan and fell in love immediately. My mother made me do yoga when I was six for like two years. And I really, I didn't want to do it at the time. But the minute I walked back in as an adult, I was like, oh, oh, I am home. It felt so good. It felt so right. And I was born, I am born to do yoga in that I am really, really loosen my joints, right? I could turn my feet out completely. I can put both feet behind my head. My brother, who is a big, massive dude, bigger than me, can still do Lotus. We're, we're just an open-hipped family. Both of my parents are too loose. It did not serve them well when they got as they got older, which thankfully I learned about earlier on uh, than they did. So I get to yoga. I excel in yoga. It's an amazing thing. I've never been so happy. I always wanted to be an athlete. Two years in, I am doing stuff that I never, ever thought I could do, and my knees started to hurt, right? So my knees started to go south. Uh, my this, The form of yoga I was doing did not teach you how to do it, really. It wasn't an alignment thing. It was just go do it. Long story short, I had three knee surgeries over the course of a year and a half. And the, the, it wasn't all yoga. Like, you know, it was, I'm an active guy. So one injury, I was, it was a classic meniscus injury. I, it was a plant and twist injury. I'm playing third base, playing softball, you know, ground ball to my, I'm a lefty, ground ball to my right. And I picked, I got the ground ball on my backhand and I went to, to turn, to pivot, to throw to first base and my foot planted and, my knee twisted and the big pop and explosion in the knee. And that was actually a really severe, that was the whole meniscus pulled off the mooring. So I was, I had to take it to India and uh, I was supposed to go to India and study with a guru. And the doctor said, no problem. You'll be on your feet in 10 days. But instead it was a six week recovery on crutches, not like your usual meniscus surgery. That was the first of three surgeries. Finally, back in yoga three times, you know what I mean? I, I do yoga, I go big physical therapy, I go back to the mat, I, I blow my knee out again, I do it again, I get another surgery, I do physical therapy again, like I'm an idiot, right? So I'm back in yoga and one of my teachers says to me, what are you doing to not have a fourth surgery? And that was it. That was like the life-changing moment where, you know, as I say, it's like my apocryphal tale. My, once I picked my jaw up off the floor, I said, oh, my God, nothing. Like, as I stand here today, I will be back in the surgeon, in the surgery uh, rotunda or whatever, you know, I'll be back under the knife if I don't make some changes. And I started to learn about my body. I started to study anatomy, uh, became a yoga teacher, which doesn't really teach enough anatomy and uh, like I mentioned that I'm a high school dropout. I really do best learning by myself. And I became really the explosion of the Internet and anatomy books. And I was really able to learn 
just a ton of stuff. And I started to realize that the more I knew about my body, the easier it was to stop getting injured. I realized that I had very loose joints and not nearly enough muscle. I packed muscle on where it made sense to put muscle on, you know, because you can exercise without thinking and build muscle in all the wrong places. Most people exercise doing things they like. And if you do things you like, you are very not, well, you're most often not doing things you don't like. And the things you don't like very often need to balance out the things you do like to have a, you know, a happy, healthy body. So I really got into muscle balance. So first I healed myself. You know, I was my first patient. I started learning how to walk and I actually learned how to walk completely incorrectly until I met a woman on the Upper West Side who became my mentor and then my wife's mentor, a woman named Sandra Jamrog, who has uh, since passed away, but she very patiently showed me everything, how what I did wrong. And I started to change my walk for the better. And I owned a yoga center at the time, had two rooms in that yoga center. And one of the rooms became my walking room. And I said to everybody, anyone who wants to learn how to walk for free, just come on down. It's an eight-week program. Sign up, and I'll put you through it. And that's how it began. I put, I'd say, 40 people through it like that. And then somebody came to me and said, you know, I work for the New York Times, so I'd love to write a feature about you. And I said, yeah, sure. That sounds great. So uh, November of 2008, the worst financial uh, month of the century so far, I got my feature full page in the New York Times. She can't really um, ask for more than that. So all of a sudden, after putting all these yogis and these athletes and these people who intimately knew my work to begin with, right, they knew everything I was going to say before I said it in the walking program, all of a sudden I get an I get a article in the Times and I get regular people coming to see me. And I met my demographic, and, my, and I immediately, as soon as that article came out, my demographic to this day for the walking, it's not yogis as much as women between 45 and 65, and then the husbands of those women, should they listen to their wives and come see me, right? So all of a sudden, people started coming to see me. And immediately, the first weird thing that happened was I was asking them to walk in this kind of weird way. And they would come back the second week and go, wow, my, I, I'm in pain. And I said, oh, wow, what do you mean? And, and they said, it's different pain, but I'm in pain. And I said, oh, that's great. Let's see what happens. Let's stick with it. And to every single person, they got out of both the new pain, which was actually just muscles activating that they'd never used before, and they got out of the old pain. And I'm not saying I have a 100% success rate. There are many problems that people have that are not going to be completely cured. If you have degenerative spine issues, right, I can help you support those, and I can help you a lot. But you're not going to, if you have stenosis, you're not going to get out of it. If you're someone like my brother, where we could talk about knees, my brother has, uh, you know, he's he's a candidate for knee replacement. I'm, I don't know if you guys talked about that when you talked. I'm sure you did. Somebody, like, comes to me, you know, as a candidate for knee replacement, I'm not necessarily going to be able to tell them, oh, you know, let's learn how to walk. You're not going to need that knee replacement. But I can definitely say, one, if you need a knee replacement because of the way you walk and stand. So if you don't change the way you walk and stand, your knee replacement is only going to help you so much. And uh, learn how to walk and you will support this new knee that you're, you're about to get, you know. So the walking program quickly became about pain, which wasn't really how I started it. I didn't start it to be pain relief. I just said, wow, no one knows how to walk. And 
you know, intuitively it was keeping me out of pain, but immediately it was lower back pain, knee pain, shoulder pain. I don't know if the listeners of this podcast know a muscle called the psoas, but the psoas is my favorite muscle. It's the most important muscle in the body. It became, I started up doing a workshop called the psoas release party. The psoas is the main muscle of walking, the main muscle of standing. Most importantly, it's the main muscle of pain and trauma. And I started doing workshops around this muscle. So you mentioned the books that I've written. That was my first self-published book was Soas Release Party, which is the name of that workshop. And it's also the name of a video series that I have, which is like a 90-minute lecture on the Soas, followed by 90 minutes of trauma release exercises. And that really became the focus of, of the core walking program. What the core walking program is at its heart is so simple what i what i do is so simple and i cannot tell you the amount of people and it's not like i'm not looking to sell my products right but i can't tell you the amount of people i meet at uh you know parties and talk to them for 10 minutes and they can get out of pain what i have to offer people is not difficult it's just very bizarre for a lot of people because i'm telling people that i think everyone leans backwards when they stand, I think everyone leans backwards when they walk. If you know the, I'm dating myself, but I did mention my demographic. So I'm not dating myself to my demographic. Do you know the picture, Keep on Trucking? You know R. Crumb? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. That's how everybody walks. Thankfully, R. Crumb allowed me to use that image in my marketing because uh, I thought it was, someone told me he wasn't it was uh, his art was not copyrighted and I was free to use it and then I read where he sued and got all the copyrights and I reached out to him and I said you know I use your image um, apologize because I've been using it in my sales materials and he I told him that I do it for back pain and he said oh you can have it which is very sweet of him mm, everyone stands like that everyone walks like that right everyone leans backwards and leads with their feet if you know that image everyone leans backwards when they stand but nobody thinks that so essentially the core walking program is is a perception program i am teaching you that when you stand up straight and you follow the god-awful instructions that everyone's mother gives them which is to stand up straight and take your shoulders back when you do that you're leaning backwards and when you're leaning backwards, you're not serving your knees, your hips, your lower back, or anything like that. So essentially, I'm trying to teach people to change their perception of them in space and then to go, make this, some, this essential change from leaning backwards to leaning forwards. And though if you watch me walk, I don't, I'm not, you know, I show it in all my workshops. You watch me walk, it doesn't look like I'm leaning forward. I am leaning imperceptibly forward. But... There is no way I meet anyone at a workshop and in, in, within three hours you're going to walk the way I walk, right? you got to kind of go to the other side. I tell people you have to be willing to, you know, lean forward a little bit, slump even a little bit, and find a very different way of, of standing. So that is essentially what the core walking is. It's changed your perception of yourself and then change the way you walk. I think everyone walks on the outsides of their feet. I think everyone tends to lock their knees and hyperextend, hyperextend when they walk. Um, you know, I can go through a litany of all the things. When we stand, we tend to grip our butt, even though a lot of people think that's good. We tend to lock our knees when we stand if we are hyperextenders. Not everyone is a hyperextender of the knee. Um, but, you know, to talk about knees, I know um, 
you know, the your yours is the world of knees. My story is all about hyperextension of the knees, right? That is why my knees blew out. I am too loose, so I mentioned my feet turn out, and I mentioned my feet going behind my head, but I didn't mention that because of my hyperextended knees, that's why my knees went south, right? I did everything in hyperextension. I walked with hyperextension. I stood with hyperextension. I did yoga with hyperextension. I used to get terrible, terrible muscle tension headaches that I've learned since from helping myself and many, many others that muscle tension headaches and hyperextended knees are intimately related, right? And which is an interesting thing. Um, there are many, many types of headaches out there. It's a sad thing. Uh, so it doesn't stop hyperextending your knees. It's not going to get rid of all kinds of headaches, but muscle tension headaches, which are those kind of just nasty headaches at the base of the skull, um, changing, you know, uh, high, to stop hyperextending your knees will do all sorts of, uh, great things. So that was my main story. So if you're someone who hyperextends their knees and then you go, um, you know, I'm going to talk a little bit about knees and knee replacement, right? So well, let me, let me, um, yeah. Well, yeah, let me jump in for one second before you do that. Um, I'm looking at the store on the website and he, I was just reviewing some of the things as you were speaking. There is the SOAS release party, which is a video. There's the core walking videos, uh, collection, the posture, lesson, the posture lesson, the video walking analysis, which I'm a little bit familiar with, the online private session, uh, the body mind, which I don't know quite what that's all about, but you can tell. So the us. body mind is actually a really interesting thing. It's a, a membership program. Mm, Since I moved okay. to Cleveland, when I moved my students in New York, were like, wow, you're moving. How do I study with you? So I teach online. I do two workshops a month online, two three-hour workshops, usually therapeutics. And uh, like this Saturday, I'm doing one on inversions. And two, I teach live yoga classes twice a week, every Tuesday and Thursday from noon to one uh, Eastern time. Got it. And that's that's just me in my room. And, and if you're all this stuff, you can, yeah, yeah. Well, all this stuff is very reasonably priced, and it looks like it has particularly, it potentially the work that you do has value to those that are you know coming to the Bees Knees podcast looking for insight on either a surgery coming up. You know, they're going to have a knee replacement, uh, a planned surgery. They're in that uh, gathering of information mode. Or they may have already had a surgery, and that could be ACL, meniscus. It could be a knee replacement, patellar fracture. And they're looking for post-surgery help. How would you put your work and what you do with core walking into the either of those situations? Does, does, it, does it seem to fit those people? Maybe. Oh, yeah. There's, there's no question about it. What's really interesting is I made a – so I just want to make a caveat that my my online programs are very, very reasonably priced. Working with me privately is not as reasonably priced. You do not need to work with me privately to get a huge amount of benefit. I think you mentioned that I have a podcast. I write a blog that has over a 1,000 blog posts on it. My goal is to get people out of pain. You don't even need to meet me. You could do that through my blog post. You could do that through my podcast. You could buy my walking program, which is a lot of my information condensed, the SOAS release party in a similar way. And then the work I do privately is it tends to be people who have had failed surgeries 
multiple car accidents. I work with people who have multiple car accidents, so trauma, work like that. And that's not as reasonable as my online offerings. Uh, but, you know, I am of the belief that if you get a hip replacement, you got that hip, you needed that hip replacement surgery for a reason. If you have a knee replacement, you need that knee replacement. I've worked with a couple of ankle replacements, which is amazing and just a very, very intense surgery, which is getting better like everything else, you know. The last ankle replacement was shattered in an accident, you know, but the first one was someone who just wore it out from sock. We end up in these situations of surgery for a reason. There, nothing happens by osmosis. Now, sometimes that reason is just a, a blunt force trauma of car accident or athletic. But most people who are getting knee replacement and hip replacements, it's a standard surgery. It is not only for athletes. Those people are very often doing it because of patterning, that you wear your hip socket out because you stand poorly the way I used to stand. You wear your knees out. You, you grunt. When, you're, when you go to get a bone-on-bone diagnosis, that you're bone on bone because you wore your cartilage out. The way you stood and the way you did not have your legs transfer weight from femur to shit to tibia just wore out the cartilage, right? So when my brother came to me and told me he had, this is just classic. I wrote a blog post about this. I use it in my workshops. You know, he calls me and he says, I, I have to get a knee replacement. I'm bone on bone. The concept of bone on bone, when I hear that out of, the client's mouth, it drives me crazy because I always say, okay, so the doctor told you you're bone on bone, let's schedule a knee replacement. There are three questions I want to know. Did he say anything to you about your posture and the way you stand and why you ended up with needing a knee replacement, right? Did he say anything about how active you are and if you're athletic? And in the context of my brother, not to be mean to my brother, did he say anything about that you're overweight, right? And that Every 10 pounds of weight we carry, extra weight, is 30 pounds of pressure on our knee joint. So to me, there's so much involved in the diagnosis of getting your knee replacement. So I think people need to see me before their hip and knee replacement because prehab, I believe in 10 years, prehab is the name of the game where I'm trying to get everybody I meet, prehab, prehab, prehab. If you're a professional athlete and you're going in for meniscus surgery, you're going to be doing a lot of work pre-surgery to get your quads ready, to get your, you know, so prehab is just essential. And then post-op, if, if, you, if you can step back and take a look at why you ended up where you're at, you will, you, you will realize you need to change your patterns or else you're just going to be back and you're going to be like me. Or you're, not going to, you're not going to get off the hamster wheel. You're going to end up with your surgeries aren't going to work for you for a reason. There's no guarantee surgeries work and there are different reasons why surgeries fail, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. it's because a doctor nicks a nerve, which is what happened to my mother. And my mother went from uh, a spinal fusion L5-S1 to being bedridden for the, for the last seven years of her life. The doctor nicked her nerve, and she lost all of her abductor muscles and done, right? Like, it was just this progression. It was an 18-year progression before she passed away, but it was an 11-year progression before she ended up in bed. That's one reason why surgeries fail, that doctors just do that. In this country, I, I have clients from Canada and Europe who will tell me, oh, my doctor nicked my nerve, and they can tell you your nerve roots fell out because you're not going to be able to sue them. So in this country, which is so intense in my mother's story, because she just wanted to know for years what happened to me. 
And if a doctor had just been honest with her and said, look, I Nick, you, you know, you, I messed you up. I'm so sorry. Uh, mentally, she would have been a whole different person. That's just another story, right? But then sometimes surgeries don't work because your hip replaced because you're, you have way too much turnout in your, in your hips and your SI joint is compressed. And so you get this surgery, but it doesn't really help, just like my knee surgeries, because you just put yourself back into the position to have that happen again. So it's very interesting how much content I have and how much I have on offer because I, I believe we learn different ways. Some people learn best from watching videos, some from working with me, some from listening to me, some from reading my blog posts. Like there are all these different ways to learn. I want to make it all available to everybody. And, you know, just again, to make it simple, you can just go read my blog posts and everything I talk about in a private, it's there in the posture, in the walking it's just going to be way more direct and to the point if we work together. And I travel a lot. You know, that's been, that's been the nicest thing of the last couple of years. So this year I'll be in the U.K. for two weekends in June and Italy the beginning of September. And then I'm doing a training in Brussels. So that's another way people can work with me. And spending, like I do a week every year at a vineyard in Italy and south of Milan. So that's a, <laughs> that's a very nice week of indulgence of food, wine, and yeah. <laughs> a whole lot of movement. I'm going to carry your bags on that trip. That sounds like a good yeah, one. That's a, wow. That is a real, and my wife's coming this time. So my wife's a, a, oh, an amazing shoot. teacher. No, she on, should stay home yeah. with the kids. Honestly, yeah, I should yeah. go. I think it's much better. You should go. <laughs> so many uh, opportunities, and I don't know if we, we need to go more specifically into them because I think people really need to explore for themselves. They're coming at this from a whole bunch of different perspectives, but I do want to address, I guess, a couple of them. One would be if you're listening to this podcast and you have a knee surgery upcoming, a knee replacement upcoming, Jonathan, what do you tell that person? Do they engage with you now? Do they wait? How do they deal with this information they're hearing for the first time right now? They should definitely engage with me now. It's terrible. I'm and because off the top of my head, I don't know that I have a knee episode on my podcast, but I will almost guarantee that I do. Like I will guarantee that I do. You know, it's 45 minutes. You will learn a whole lot about the knee, and you will get a sense of who I am. You know, my whole approach is, if I'm relatable, it's easier for you to heal. I speak in really plain English. It's fun. You know, there's comedy involved. Because if you're comfortable and you're better able to learn. So you'll learn a lot from that podcast. And there's information on that podcast to work with me more. Anyone who wants can just reach out. And I'm very easy to find on the Internet via core walking. But my name, Fitzgordon, is made up. My wife was Fitzsimmons and I am. I was Gordon. So we are the only Fitzgordons out there. So I am incredibly easy to find. And then... The thing, the other thing we meant that you mentioned earlier that's not on my store page is my anatomy program, and that's starting in just a couple of weeks on March 9th. Uh, registration opens March 2nd, and that's an interesting program because it's streaming video that you own forever and weekly calls where we go over the content, and that's just good for people. I, my thing about chronic pain, my thing about knee pain, my thing about knee surgeries, my thing about aging gracefully, which is the essence of everything I'm trying to figure out because I mentioned my mother who ended up in bed. My father ended up incontinent, both urinary and fecal. And my whole life is about not, it's about being able to wipe my butt when I'm 90, right? That's, that's my goal. 
to that end, the more you know, the more likely it is to happen. And I think everyone's an expert on something. You're an expert on maybe more than one thing. You know, I'm a jack of many trades. I, I, I like cooking and I like music and I study all these things and I want to learn, you know. So I think if people just take a step back and say, wow, let me focus on anatomy. Let me learn about exercise. If you spend a year focusing on how your body works, how your foot is supposed to place, why you're getting a hip replacement, what exactly that hip replacement is and what can I do to serve it going forward, there's nothing better you can do for yourself. So the anatomy program is, you know, it's for teachers. It's, it's complex and simple at the same time, but that's a great way to study with me soon. And it's weekly phone calls that, you know, they're anywhere from an hour to two and a half or three hours, depending upon, uh, you know, how deep we go. Okay. So we get to know you now. We're listening to you. We, we like you. We think you've got a lot to share. You do. Thank you so much for being here. This is great. You have the various things on the store to learn, but really you're saying go to the podcast and I will put links to the, all these in the show notes. So those that are listening, look at your iPhone right now or uh, go to the webpage and you'll see links to some of these, these assets that we're talking about. And for someone uh, with a surgery coming up, you're saying engage now. What do you tell them? What do you do for someone who's got a knee replacement in April or May or June or July of 2020? How do you prepare them for that? Or, or, or what is the point, I guess, of a pre-surgery meeting and then, or, or engagement? And then while you're at it, talk about what happens after a total knee replacement with gait and walking pattern and sort of how do you help people on, on, on either end of that event? So, you know, knees are invariably about tracking. So, you know, we, we're going to take the car accident and put that aside. And, and, and many, many knee replacements are about that kind of blunt force trauma, right? But we're going to put those aside and looking at, you know, the wear and tear of life. So knees are a, they're a tracking issue. And what I mean by that is when we walk or we do yoga or we run or let me use the bike, actually, as the most specific example. When you bike, your knees are supposed to rise straight up. In other words, your thighs are relatively parallel, and technically, your knee should move ever so slightly to the midline, right, towards the bar, and then you go down. And that should be the pattern every time. So the knees should either go, they should track straight up and down like pistons, or to the midline. But all you have to do is go to a park and watch people bike, and you will see a huge number of bikes. And in New York, it's such a terrible thing because all you have to do is watch the delivery kids who don't have bikes that are sized for them, and they will see, you will see the knees, they go out to the side with every step, right, with every pedal. And then you go out on the street and you watch people walk, and, you know, my classic thing I talk about is people who have a pants that, that have no butt, right? Their butt is just flat instead of being filled out. And you watch people walk and their knees go wide with every step. That's tight hips. That's weak glutes, different things. Those knees are going to wear out. So you need to really assess. And then so that's your movement pattern. And then there's your posture pattern. You have to assess your posture because I'm telling you, you're not getting your knee replaced because you have good posture. 
it's just it's not happening. You're not if you have muscle if you have balanced muscle tone and good posture, there is no reason you're getting your knee replaced. You're getting it replaced because you have bad posture. And posture is about how do we get weight to transfer through the bone. That's it. There, you know, between your knees. I've mentioned the meniscus a few times. It's cartilage. Between your uh, vertebrae and your spine, there are these cushiony discs, right? That's the that's posture. How do you stack these discs and how do you stack the bones on top of the cartilage to transfer weight? When you don't stack them well, you are going to wear out your cartilage. You're going to need knee replacement. If you can start to change that posture before the surgery, it's going to serve you. But I can also show you... Um, how to start building muscle balance around your legs, right? So, you know, I work with people. I work with all different people, and one of my specialties would be to meet people where they are. So, for example, I have a, a client at the moment I'm working with, 81 years old. You know, an 81-year-old client's going to be a challenge, and then she has this crazy posture thing where her feet are turned out and completely collapsed. It's like her ankle bone is almost on the floor on the inside. It's so intense, right? And her story is she had a surgery, a Achilles surgery, and she, as she feels like she has not healed. So you're 81. She's a little overweight. What, what am I going to do with her? I can't get her up and down off the floor. I can't get her to do yoga. So here's my first exercise with her. And if this resonates with the people who are listening, this is how I try to help people, right? She is uh, an intellectual. She reads a lot. So I have her sitting on a chair that we arranged at the height that I want, which is hips slightly over the knees. I put a block between her feet and make her keep her feet parallel against the block. And if you heard when I said her feet turn out and collapse in, those feet against the block are not collapsed and they're not turned out, right? I'm forcing them where I want them. Then I have her find, we will literally go through her bookcase to find the book that I want that's the right thickness to put between her thighs. Some people, I'll have them belt their thighs, right? So for her, when we first started doing this one minute, 60 seconds, and she was like, oh, you know, she's <laughs> using muscles that she hasn't even thought about, right? And wow. then, then she has to stand up and sit down 10 times. And if I was to let her stand up and sit down without the blocks and all that, right, she is going to stand up by collapsing her knees literally against each other and letting her ankles collapse, and she'll shove herself up. So instead, I have her planting her feet correctly, squeezing the book between her thighs, squeezing the toes against the block, so that now when she stands up, her knees are tracking in line with her hips and ankles. And when she stands up, she's building her butt. When she sits down, she's building her quads. And we start super slowly to build a balanced body. Uh, if you're 50, that's not what I'm going to do for you. But when you're 81, you know, it's, that's going to really help her. This, I, I need to call the authorities. Uh, so what's your address? This is just cruel and unusual. You're putting this poor 81-year-old through this. Yeah, right. Doing exactly right. <laughs> uh, and uh, and the thing is that it's now, it is actually now really easy, and she is ready to move really? on. That's the thing, well, I mean, right? How it's, long? it's ingenious what you're doing. That's kind of an extreme case, though, I would guess, right, compared to most? It's, it's not at all in terms of, well, for two reasons. One, first of all, I'm coming out of these things. I come up with my stuff out of fear and panic, right, because I never know who I'm going to work with. And then I meet these people, and then my first instinct is, oh, my God, I can't help them. And then I have to get creative and figure it out. So 
she is not at all like a lot of my clients in that what I do is very weird, right? I'm telling you, you need to change the way you walk. So, and I'm this, this guy, the psoas guy, right? So I, I swear to you that my clients very often are finding me at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning in a panic, Googling about why they can't get any help, and that's how they make their way to me. So like I said, another client that I started working with, this is about six weeks, a dancer with no injuries her entire life, at 60, from 64 to 71, she had three major car accidents, three major car accidents in seven years. I worked with her for a month of just talk. My intakes can be ridiculous because, like, so, sometimes people just need to be heard. You can be the most compassionate doctor in the world. Three car accidents, your nervous system is shot. She, she was a professional shot. dancer, a, a professional she was. ballerina she was a profe- kind of thing, or? As a younger person, tell you one of my crazy yes. thing with her is I have her choreographing herself. I said, I want choreograph your car accident. You don't have to dance like a ballerina, but move around. She moves beautifully. It's so crazy. I'll say, go get, you know, we're on video. I go, go get that block. And she like prances, you know, and she's 70. And so I said, you got to start dancing. You just, you're Trump, you're, you got PTSD. I mean, that's all we're talking about, right? Not, she has serious, serious physical problems. But she also has PTSD from three car accidents. They said, start dancing. Choreograph your, your car accidents in your living room. But no one needs to see them. But you need to get back to your soul. You know, you need to get back to the safety of your nervous system because these car accidents, have they've robbed you of that. And for good reason, you know, like we're adaptable. But that is, that is a lot to take in. A little weird random question, but I, I've been curious long. I, I almost feel like I can identify a ballerina if I'm near Lincoln Center, because I see that their feet are turned out when they walk. It's kind of like they're walking with their feet pointed both outward. Is that is there a reason behind that in, in, that you know of? Why someone with yeah, that kind of a, muscle structure? What, what's that all about? It's a terrible, terrible thing. Yeah, it's a French king, I believe Louis the Fourteenth, five hundred years ago, decided this is the aesthetic he wanted to see in young girls, and he destroyed, you know thousands if not hundreds of thousands of bodies and i would tell you know when i lived in new york i tell women go you go go up to lincoln center and you just stand outside the ballet school and you watch all these girls come out and see if that's what you want for your daughters right like this is you're making your body do so i work now i teach actually at a ballet studio here and i love the ballet dancers and they're so smart and they're so inquisitive but what they do to their bodies is, is nutty so what i'm trying to teach them is dance like a dancer and walk like a person, right? Dance like a dancer. Wow. You don't have to walk. You don't have to walk with your feet turned out, and you don't have to act like a ballerina when you're not dancing. Now, the the truth is about ballet. Fifty years ago, all those ballerinas have had their hip, hips replaced, but now ballet dancers have. They do so much core work that they are way better prepared for what they're doing to their bodies, if that makes sense. It's not, you know, you still don't want to do this terrible turnout and the lengthening of the neck and they repress the chest muscles and neck muscles. It's bonkers what what the demands put on ballerinas, right? But that said, they are way more aware of core and, and they're way more prepared for what they're going to put themselves through. But I wouldn't want my daughter to be a ballerina, but my daughter does roller derby. <laughs> Very, very interesting. Um, there's one thing that I don't think we gave enough credit to or talked about at all, which was the video walking analysis. And that was really how I met you the first time. That's what you were 
I think there was a lot of activity there where a video is submitted and then you analyze it and provide feedback and guidance. Can you just describe that a little bit? Yeah, that's totally, it's part of the walking program. You can just get it by itself. Um, but that's a bit of a, that's kind of funny because it costs more to actually buy the video analysis and to, you get that with the program. It's a really incredibly simple tool that you literally send me a video of your walk and I mark it up with a, you know, mark it like instant replay on football and I give you a voiceover and um, I sent one. I don't know sometimes what people expect when they send me these things, you know, but this woman sent me. A, her video analysis, and it was great because she was clearly an uh, exercise teacher because she was wearing a sports bra and, and fairly short shorts. And so then I can just see all of her patterns. And I, I, you know, did my, it's like two minutes, two minutes, 15. And she wrote back the next day. She's like, I watched that 50 times. And then told me her story. She is a TRX, which is an exercise. She's a fitness instructor. And she was a, a ultra marathon or 100-mile races. The, her SI joint, sacroiliac joint, went south, and her piriformis went south, and she got sciatica. What I hope, and I say it to the people on the on the analysis, I'm just watch this over and over again, because you will see what you what you do, and you will not believe what it is that you do when you walk. And they're really classic things. You know, it's not like I'm saying different many different things to people. We are tight in similar places. We hyperextend in similar ways. We lean in similar ways. So I'm saying routine things, but uh, there are little distinctions for everybody. And I see backyards all over the world, which is so much fun, <laughs> right? Um, the jungles of the Philippines, and it's, it's wild. Oh, that's that's really, and, and dogs from all over the world. Well, that's a, what a strange view of people's lives from their backyard. Yeah, it's, very, it's funny. So uh, let's get to how to reach out to you. I mean, I, I think that, this is incredibly valuable for everyone to hear almost a survey of what you can do. I would love to do this again at some point, try to focus on some other topics down the line. But this is this is such a great, uh, a lot of insight. To reach you, though, I have a phone number from your website, 855-233-9255. That's correct, right, Jonathan? It is correct, but better to email. Email is the is the Prefer the, the email. We, and uh, there's a send us a message, but what what is the email for people that are listening right now? Info at corewalking.com. Got it. Okay, so send an email to info at corewalking.com. Go to the website, Core Walking. All this stuff is there. Uh, you can do the learning and do the podcast. Uh, if we're on Apple, I'm sorry, on iTunes doing a podcast. Oh, is that a dog in the background? That was my dog. Just <laughs> my son. I, I believe my son just walked in the door. Making an appearance. What's the name of your dog? Fanny. That's really why we moved here. Believe it or not. Really? Yeah, my dog uh, could not. <laughs> so Fanny dog, can have somewhere to go. <laughs> we we rescued this dog. She was from down south, and we got her in Brooklyn. And within two or three days, my kids were younger. Within two days, we realized her nervous system was broken. She's I, she's like my perfect dog. Her nervous system was broken. She could not handle Brooklyn. Every sound freaked her out. She got house trained. She's a smart dog. She got house trained within days. She'd go outside and do her business, and then pulled to go home immediately like the garbage trucks and everything just freaked her out and then we went upstate one weekend and we're like wow look at that she's a lot more relaxed and then cleveland beckoned there it was and yeah she's really happy here 
Well, welcome, Fanny, to the podcast. <laughs> the Late, last minute, last second appearance. So info at corewalking.com. That's how you get to Jonathan. Go to the website. Uh, there's a phone number, but, you know, I guess we're going with email first. There's a lot to engage with on the site, and a lot of it is just free and helpful. And then there's some reasonably priced ways of engaging more officially with Jonathan. I really believe that there are causes for knee replacement that you've identified. And really for a lot of people listening, that there's at least an analysis of your post-knee surgery, post-knee replacement gait, and uh, some some help that can be provided so that you can reorient your walk. Gait training is normal after a total knee replacement by a physical therapist, but I have a feeling that uh, that's one of the many things they're doing. And in this case, you're going to have the full attention of Jonathan on your gait uh, with all the incredible knowledge that he's accumulated uh, over these many years. So I don't think we could be in better hands than in yours in terms of post-surgery gait work, really. Thank you so much. What's funny about the uh, the PT is they all look at your walk, but they don't necessarily tell you how to change it. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Uh, your standards are higher. I mean, you're, they're trying to get you to sort of, you know, get out of there, you know, do do well. And they're not, right. I mean, they're, That's they're there for right. you. That's absolutely right. But, but they're, right. they've got a lot on their minds. <clears throat> Range of motion and strength and uh, gait is one of those things. It's certainly important. I don't want to diminish the role of a physical therapist at all. But right. in your case, you're just like, this is why I'm here. I'm going to help you sort out many uh, from posture to your hips over your knees to the whole aspect of your gait. And as you said with the, that one patient, you can watch it over and over and over again and listen to the running dialogue and, and keep learning from that same analysis to, until you get it right. Pretty cool. Yeah, that's exactly right. We did mention briefly the uh, anatomy series coming up, and so that's something to look for as well. And this, you know, by the time this podcast is posted, that may be live and, and up and, and going. But again, that'll be found at the at Core Walking. Did we miss anything, Jonathan? I know it sounds great. I so appreciate this, PJ. I really appreciate talking to you, and I love what I do, so I love to share it. I can tell. I can tell. And the one last little button at the end here. Does that voice sound familiar a little bit? Uh, Jonathan's brother is Peter Gordon, and Peter was on the podcast as well, uh, talking about what he does. And by the way, Jonathan, he is going to go ahead with the knee replacement, as you probably know, and he's going to use the X10 machine. <laughs> so, Great. So I like hearing we're all that. Be working together. Yeah, that's <laughs> pretty cool. Awesome. So, well, anyways, thank you so much for being here. It's been really instructive. I, I, I can't wait to share this with everybody. Thanks so much, BJ. Have a great one. Sometimes a knee surgery recovery requires more than the conventional. It calls upon the heroic. I would go into rehab feeling like a million bucks, and people would stop me and go, what knee did you have done? And I said, I had both done. Getting there. Epic tales of knee surgery, recovery, and courage. A new book by PJ Ewing. Visit gettingtherebooks.com to learn more. We'd like to thank a few friends of the Bees Knees podcast, including the Knee Pain Guru, natural solutions for chronic knee pain without drugs, shots, surgery, or painful physical therapy. For more info, visit thekneepainguru.com. We're also brought to you by X10 Therapy. And special thanks to Dr. Justin Trosclair at the podcast, A Doctor's Perspective Podcast. If you plan to go to China for business or pleasure, the main thing that you have to master is the dinner culture. 
things like the lazy Susan, should you drink, how to use chopsticks, where am I supposed to sit, gaining and losing face. I'm Dr. Justin Trosclair, and after five years of working in China, I took all my knowledge and wrote a book about it. You can find it at a doctorsperspective.net slash China book and on Amazon. And while you're at it, take a listen to the podcast, a doctorsperspective.net, where I interview doctors of all specialties, talk about successes, marketing, struggles, and all those types of topics you don't normally hear. The Knee Store. If you're having a knee done, you just may want to share that news with the world. If so, we've got a mug, t-shirt, or awesome tote for that. Visit the knee store on cafepress.com. Shop for the perfect item that reflects your feelings about getting back to a full life after a successful knee replacement surgery. Visit cafepress.com forward slash the knee store. Great prices, fun and unique stuff. The Bees Knees podcast comes to you from our studio in Lower Manhattan, New York City. We're here week in and week out shedding light on all aspects of knee surgery and recovery. To reach us, send an email to thebeesneespodcast at gmail.com.